This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week. Marvellous McMullen moving for D. And he's not actually new, but could Newman be the answer to United's goalie dilemma? Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy, and this week's team, ever-changing, George Cran's back. Hello, it's the Twa Teams Tombola. Is it? <laughs> I never really understood Tom Fuller. That maybe shows that maybe shows a lack of intellect on my part because I think it's meant to be quite simple, but I never got it. Right. We'll and on. anyway, on with business. You and Smith. Hi. If, if it's a Tom Bowler, I'm probably that out of date can of beans that you get that that nobody ever wants, and it's like the Safeway Savers edition of of beans that they've just put in and thinking they've donated. So I'm probably that version. Other crap <laughs> imitation bean manufacturers are available. <laughs> anyway, let, let's try to talk football. Yeah, that's, that's one of the oddest starts to Tom Bola and Beans. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows we're all cheery because George Dundee are flying. Dundee are flying. That's what five wins on the bounce, four in the league, three clean sheets on the bounce. It's all going. Pretty well, and they're doing that without their top scorer, Zach Robinson's been injured for the last few while, and a few others are injured as well. Cammy uh, Kerr, even stepping in left back, but Paul McMullen is flying as well. He's scored his last three games, I think six goals overall. Earning praise from the manager, yeah, and deservedly um, so. Even just on the back of uh, speaking to the media last week and saying that the manager had set him a target 10 goals for the season, which is. A pretty big step up, I think, from what he's done previously. I don't have the numbers to hand or whatever, but he's never been a huge regular goal scorer, certainly for Dundee. But he's certainly turned it on this season. I think the it's Mars, funny, yeah. that that sort of surprises me slightly because going back to his days uh, when I first saw him when he joined Dundee United, I always thought his weakness was his crossing was erratic. If if he drifted into a more central position and was given a sight of goal. I always thought there was a fair chance that he would actually f- hit the back of the net. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always thought he was a decent finisher. Well, I think the Boyers spotted that, certainly, and told him basically to get, get in between the sticks Shoot as much as stick. possible. But what's probably, probably helped a wee bit recently is they've not been playing wingers. You know, I, I always thought having Paul McMullen in your squad, you just have to play a, a system that has a winger in it because he's a classic kind of fast winger. But they've been playing the three five two, and he's been kind of sometimes with the striker or just behind the striker. Mm-hmm. He's basically in a, he's just told I think to do what he wants. Really, go wherever you want. Where's the space? Go find it. But get yourself in that box, and it, it's paying off big time for Dundee. Yes, well, well done, to Gary Boyer. Surely you for that, because when you look at Paul McMill- McMullen, you see a classic Scottish winger, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think you we were talking off air about this before about how he'd tweaked his side quite a lot in the in the first few games, swap things about. So he's obviously looking more in depth and not just saying, "Oh well, oh well, oh, well that's how he's always played, so we'll play that." We'll look at, and it's and it sometimes takes a manager, a new manager coming in to see something in a player 
and just transform them in, in a sense as well. And, and the player themselves sometimes they've been playing all his career. McMillan's been playing all his career as an out and out winger, um, very very talented playmaker. And sometimes a manager can just spot that that little difference in it, that quality, and then the player himself then kicks on with it. So, so yeah, good. And no, it's funny you say that. I was watching um, World Cup coverage, and it wasn't it wasn't a good night from the boy Shaka from Arsenal, and it was Ian Wright made the point that his whole his whole career at Arsenal, where he'd been criticised, he was play and he again because he looks a defensive midfielder, but he is in fact. An attacking midfielder, and, and maybe he does a lot of defensive work, but he's a player that plays high up the pitch. Equally, I think you look at Paul McMullen, and I can understand you tend to think put him out wide, tell him to get down the flank, take men on because he he can do that, make crosses. As I say, that's a bit more more erratic. But and I mean, you you speak to Gary Boyer more than anyone, George. As he looked at him, and said, "There's a player that's got a lot to offer coming in the park." I think so. Certainly, I think it's a fresh pair of eyes. Obviously, Gary Boyer coming from down south, he didn't know a huge amount about the Scottish game uh, in terms of the, the kind of nitty-gritty before he came up here and he, he's been learning as he goes. And it feels like he's doing that with the players as well. We talked about, like Mullen, previously in this podcast, talked about Finn Robertson as well and how he's trying to make him into a different player to what we thought Finn Robertson was. Yeah, Finn was always a boy that keeps the ball kind of anchors the, the midfield, but I think he wants him to be getting forward and maybe a bit like, I don't want to compare him to Xhaka, but that kind of yeah. going from the defence midfielder to more box-to-box. And, and he, he got more game time again on Saturday and I think it it feels like Gary is quite happy with how he's going as well. So it's really it's so strange though. I mean, there's nothing negative about that. He was... Going well, on in terms we'll, of on the pitch we'll, anyway. Hey, on the pitch, on the pitch. We've we'll, got another 40 minutes. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find something. But I mean, and, and the one thing about McMullen, McMullen, wherever he's been, he's always been happy. He takes the ball in any any situation. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be in space. He's quite happy to get on the ball, turn, face players up, take them on, and now he's shooting. And the 10-goal target thing... It's a bit unusual, but is it a reflection that McMullen's now a reasonably experienced player and Gary Boyer's yeah. satisfied that he can handle that that challenge publicly? Yeah, I think so. Senior players, I think he's only 26 still. Yeah, he's been around, ah, he's been for around a, long a long, time. long time. Um, always at this kind of championship level wondering whether he can step up to the Premiership. It feels like at the moment he's too good for the Championship, I think. I think he showed that last time Dundee were in the Championship as well because he was such a key player when he came in. Um, maybe that step up to the Premiership was maybe a bit too much last time, but I, I think he, he looked... too badly. Like he, was, he, was he was one, one of the ones who threat. didn't do him his reputation any harm. No, but I, I think he's ready now, I think, uh -huh. for that top flight which is good for Dundee at the moment, although he's out of contract at the end of the season, just like pretty much everybody else. So that's one concern. Fix him off Dundee. Well, yeah, one concern I have about the Dundee squad Told you at the find moment a <laughs> is the, they've not tied down anyone to a longer contract beyond the end of the, the season. I would like to see a couple of the key players kind of sorted out and, and because it, it's not, I don't know, can clubs talk to players yet? Or I'm trying to do uh, the just math. Just, January, yeah, just yeah. yeah. So not far away. 
That's, uh, it's quite a worrying though, but you, I can understand from a player's perspective though, if, if the club, if Dundee have already started talks, or I don't know if they have, but from a player's perspective, they don't know what league they will be playing in yeah. this season, so they probably hedge their bets that way as well. And I know for a player it doesn't always come down to that. Um, for a player at all level, it doesn't always come down to what league will be playing in, because some of them will accept, I'm quite happy to play in the Championship, some of them will want to have aspirations of going higher. Um, and sometimes it's to do with how settled their family are, you know, how happy they are in terms of their teammates and everything. But if you are a player, and albeit Dundee are kicking on and they're doing really well as you're pointing out, clean sheets, they're running games, they're, they're climbing up the table and, and you hope that they will kick on beyond that. Um, there's no guarantees that Dundee will um, win the league and there's no guarantees that Dundee will go up via the playoffs. So players are quite right to sometimes sit back and think, well, what else is on the table before mm-hmm. they commit? And the other thing is, I mean, Gary Boyer's thrown the gauntlet down, if you like, to Paul McMullen, and he is a he is now an experienced player, and you want him if you're his manager, you want him to contribute regularly. So well done him for that. Strikes me as well, George. It's, we touched on this quite often in the opening months of the season that Gary Boyer chopped and changed, and he and he still likes to use his five substitutes, but the last few games. It's been basically the same starting team and then it's basically the same players that are coming on yeah. during the games. And it's a, and I still think that people go on, this is just my opinion, people go on, uh, I've been going on about what a tight league, the championship, there. there's still a league for there for Dundee to go and dominate because now they seem to have a system, he seems to have decided on what personnel he's going to use, use and over the 90 minutes... I mean, everything I heard about Inverness on Saturday, Dundee were in control for 90 minutes, and that's that's a big thing. Yeah, I think I think he's certainly... It's maybe ended up kind of stumbling a wee bit on his formation and, and the team because it was a kind of an emergency change at Partick Thistle that brought this back three. I'm place. sure as an experienced manager, you <laughs> might say that's actually how it happened. You, you, you look at things and you look at things yeah. and you give yourself a certain period of time to look at things and well I'm saying that they tried tried it against for the second half against Partick when they were 2-0 down and it worked a treat and then since then it's the players have it's just suited the players I think and it's suited the team he's picked but he's been very clear in the last few weeks certainly that asking about Sean Bourne and about other players who hadn't been in the team and he basically says if you've got the shot it's up to you to keep it and he's kind of, he's been true to his word. You look at the goalkeeper situation where yeah. everyone's done quite well. Everyone's played, mm-hmm. but no one's been dropped really. It's been injury or illness or or whatever that's that's seen you drop out of the team, and then somebody else comes in, does well, and they can't dislodge him because Adam Lykstons looks like he's got the shot at the moment. Um, picked up a clean sheet at the weekend, but um, I think that's part of kind of his management or of kind of being fair to his players as well that if you're in the team and you play well you keep your place but there's a lot of players that are knocking on that door as well we talked yeah. about Finn Robertson getting his chance Joe Grayson's back fit you've got who else has been on Luke McCown scored quite a few goals this season he can't quite get back in the team after that yeah you look at that he, he's one of the names I must admit I don't know if you two are the same that it almost encourages me Something must be going well if he's on the bench and not in the starting lineup. He did well last season for Dundee, didn't he? You know, he came yeah. in and I think there was a lot of t- chat because he was stepping up from part time to full time, or or, mm-hmm. or, he, or he'd been he'd previously. 
I mean, I, I still remember your story about him being a lifeguard and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. so he, he was used to, put it this way, he was used to working for a living, and, yeah. and we will say working for a living and then playing football, but then he stepped up and, and played regularly, but he, he scored some important goals. He, he made some assists last season. And it has to be a sink or swim joke in there oh. somewhere, eh? I'll let you do that. It's definitely swum, I would say. He's swimming, yeah. he's swimming just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's a quality player, and I, I just can't get over how positive upbeat yeah, George. I mean, uh, it's like I've never. I guess I've like just had a week off. I, I must you, were, you went away. We got this is this is George the Android. We went we went from George Mark to more positive. They tried it. They tried it with me, but they couldn't. Dundee the Android as well. It's a different Dundee team. It's a, the whole thing is different. We were talking about that last week. I just can't believe it. I go away and it's all depressing. This Dundee section used to be the most depressing thing in, in my week. And then I come back and now it's... Uh, now Still it's got so, that United leap. He says that with joy, doesn't he? It's so uplifting now to listen to you <laughs> guys talking. You're full of the joys. Um, That's a word I've never used about <laughs> being a Dundee fan. <laughs> we'll just wait till next week after Falkirk away with the place they've never won. Uh, well, you, they've never won a league game at Inverness. Exactly. I mean, that's a th- that is actually a thing that, you mean, <laughs> again, I, I, I did down my own intellect and I don't want to do down players' intellect, but it's a thing you can sell to players. We're, we're, we've never won here. We've had promotion in the past, but we've never won here in the league. This must be our season, lads. And you go, yeah. And, and you can build on that, though. Maybe. Depends how you say it, though. You could say it in a, a different tone and they could say, oh, great. Come here, here again. Never run here. Ah, but they did win. Yeah, they did win. But if you're talking about Falkirk as well, you know it's a. Ah, that's yeah. a challenge cup. Who cares? Oh, you want to keep it, keep the ball rolling. No, I, I don't think that'll be the manager's team talk somehow. <laughs> All right, lads. Falkirk tonight, <laughs> challenge cup. Who cares? Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if he changes the team that much. That we're we're talking about usually in a. Like in a lesser cup competition like this, the manager would see the chance when you got the players knocking on the door. To change. I think he'll keep game. pretty much the same team, to yeah. be honest, um, because it's not like they've got midweekers and it's there's lots of games punched up. Dundee's schedule at the moment is pretty much Saturday to Saturday, although this game's on a Thursday, but it's the only game this week. Um, yeah. So I think he'll just keep going and try and add one, more wins. One of these tournaments, though, I mean, we're decrying it at the moment, but. You want to get the, if you're in the final, you want to win it. And you yeah, want to win it. Yeah. I mean, and it's celebrated for years to come if Dundee went on to win it. Although, albeit a brofer still in the tournament, so you've got a challenge and, uh, uh, on your hands there. Um, but um, <laughs> no, it is one of those tournaments. I know, I, I don't know if the teams in the championship are quite at that stage where they're, they're treating it a wee bit like the English sides treat the League Cup down there, you know, in mm. the, the top side. I think that they should generally play their strongest side and generally see this as as a really competitive fixture, it's not a warm up for the league. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I've always quite liked this competition, although it's it's kind of not been looked after. I would, I would say in the last few years, but it's not an, an inconvenience like it has been in the past. No, where, no, because it's there's no there's, it's not a ton of games and more important games. The league is more important, but you've got what ten day, what's Thursday to next Saturday. Yeah, nine, it's ten a, days and twenty. It's a very useful game. Yeah, I think so. To have the last thing you want when you're on a run like Dundee's is two weeks off. So yeah. it's a useful game for them. I think I said it, it's a good, it's a good day out the final. But I always think for for teams that consider themselves Premier League teams, 
the Challenge Cup's a competition you either want to get out early or win. Mm-hmm. About almost the worst thing you can do, and it's happened, it's happened, I can remember it happening to United, and I think it's happened to Dundee in the past as well, is you don't want to get to the final and lose the final. Because mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's re, it, 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 I don't want to be nasty about it, but it's almost a bigger downer if you lose the final than it is a triumph if you win it. The fans will still, they'll, they'll enjoy the day if you win it. Next day they'll be like, it was only the Challenge Cup, it was a good day out. Though. But if you lose it, and you're a team that considers themselves a, a top, should be a top flight team, it's very depressing for the fans. Well, we lost it last season. We got to the final and then got relegated. Well, so exa- it got even worse. Exactly. Exa- that's what I mean. Because yeah. I mean, everybody knows Queen of the South should be in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's only, it's only been 60 years since we've been in there. So I think Rangers, Rangers lost a Challenge Cup final as well, didn't they, to the Forest? Yeah. So uh, I can imagine that they, that they quickly want to erase that from their history. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I think at the time they were really keen to win it because they'd never won it before, I think. Or, well, I'll not go into Rangers win things pre-2012, but um, it hadn't been one Rangers name and been next to on the winners no. uh, list. So, But, yeah, no, I... I as I say, I, I think this is a this is a tournament Dundee can really go after. To be honest, and Gary Boria will want the chance to win a trophy. Yeah, All right, it help it helps him. Also, Falkirk's a good game for them because a good Falkirk, John McGlynn. Mm-hmm. Be a tough one. They've played them already this season, beat them three 0 which was obviously I think it. I've come it, on a bit since then. Yeah, I think it ended up being a, a bit more straightforward than we maybe expected that night, but. It'd be a, a tester, and as I said, looked back through the history since through the history, but since Falkirk moved to the new stadium in two thousand four, Dundee have never won a competitive game there. They've played seven times, lost four, and so it's it's, an, it's not a nice wee uh, thing to tick off. I would say for Gary Borier coming in, he, he likes these sort of things. I think, um, yeah, we start. And I mean, I said to you before. We managed to get the equipment working today. <laughs> Enough of those problems. It's a reminder. I, I, people say to me, "Oh, well, Dundee get promoted." I said, "Well, they really should get promoted because next season they could have Falkirk and Dunfermline in the championship." Queen, quite, Queen quite, South, I think. Uh, Falkirk and Dunfermline. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to something approaching reality. <laughs> when I'm the voice of sense, George, we're in trouble. <laughs> um, I'm not saying either of those teams will go up and immediately amount a promotion challenge in the championship, but they're two tough places to go. And it could cost somebody games away to Dunfermline or Falkirk if they're in the championship next season could cost other teams promotion. Can't believe you've written off and throws this championship uh, contender, so I think uh, I genuinely I mean Don't tell Sean far be it far be it for me to to talk up uh, our both Sangus rivals, but I mean Troas could come up but uh, your point about Falkirk and, and Dunfermline, if they do come up yet, yeah, I mean, historically, sides that have been in the, the top flight, that have done well, yeah. that have been to cup finals, that have, um, that are big clubs sleeping, sleeping down, sleeping giants, is maybe too, too big a phrase to say, but there's been down there, Dunfermline been down there for a couple of seasons, Falkirk have really struggled to get out of that division, and it's, and last season was really tough on them, and we saw behind the scenes, 
Um, things weren't going particularly well for Falkirk, but they seem to have got their act together a little bit more. Dunfermline have definitely got their act together and found their way in that, in that league as well. So um, they would be sides that would come up and you wouldn't expect to just be battling out to, to stay in in the Championship if they come up. There would be sides that you would expect to have the resources, to have the ambition to try and go up there and get in the playoffs so, or, or, or challenge for a title. So you're right. It is a really competitive league. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at it and I know we're believing that Dundee might kick on, but at this moment in time, there's only three points separating the top four. Um, so Martin Queen's Park, Dundee, Queen's Park, we spoke about this often as well, Queen's Park could invest heavily. They have rumours of a January spending spree. Yeah, I, I mean, they have clearly have uh, long-term ambitions of being up in the top flight. Um, they're, 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 they're redeveloping their stadium. They put down a, a park, which I believe is, is going to be something they need of £2 million pounds at their actual pitch. Um, they're, they're investing in an infrastructure behind the scenes. I think that they, they spend a lot of money on video analysts. They're, they're, they're trying to do things. He's trying to bring us down this mood of optimism, isn't Probably. he? But I think I think there are a lot of teams. So actually, what I'm going to say to, to turn on his head, if Dundee do run away, do win the league, we can't just say, oh, well, it's only the championship because there are sides in there that are ambitious, that are capable, that have got funding. Um, they might not have the historic, traditional sort of um, honours list that Dundee have, and they might not have been said, but there are sides up there that at this present moment in time that would consider themselves to be sides that are capable of getting into the Scottish Premiership. And as you say, next season, it does it is a lot tougher if Falkirk and Dunfermline come up in place of Hamilton and Arbroath, of course. Mm-hmm. And that mean, just, just to try to <laughs> throw the depression on... <laughs> Back towards you, Ewan. I mean, you don't want. You really don't want to. You don't want to finish ninth anyway. Other than it's better than finishing tenth. But if you're facing Falkirk or Dunfermline in a playoff, oh, Queen of the South. George, you're getting a yellow card. <laughs> See, <laughs> you've got to stop, George. It's not happening. I know it's not happening. The, the thing it? about this is, George makes up the notes every week, right? And he helpfully, helpfully puts forward the tables for the Championship and the Scottish Premiership, which is fine, right? We don't have a League One table in front of us, but as far as the last time I checked, I didn't think Queen of the South were particularly high up. No, we're not. We're about sixth or seventh or something like that. Well, if you go around, because being a newspaper office, they still buy papers. If you go around the newspapers on the days that they print the League tables, you'll notice George cuts out League One (laughs) and burns it so no one can go, George, Queen of the South are gone. Just erasing them from his life for the moment. Mm. But no, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to bite on the thing about Arbroath because I still think that they'll stay up. Um, well, I hope, I mean, um, I genuinely but, hope they stay up, but, but just as I say, like, but your point, your I'm point looking at the next season, but, yeah. but for teams at the bottom, yeah. they must be aware that there's a fair chance Falkirk or Dunfermline will be a, a team that they might have to face in a playoff. And yeah, and do you, know, do you know when it comes to that situation, it doesn't always equate this way, but um, fan base makes a big difference. I think yeah. you know. I think I've seen. I, I think Air United have been one of these sides that have been up and down, and I've seen them in a couple of playoff games over the years. And the the crowds that they can bring to mm-hmm. away games, the crowd that a Falkirk or a Dunfermline could bring to away game, it can make a big difference. I think um, in their home crowds. I mean, even even if we look at the last season, I know it's the top end of the championship, but that that game between Kilmarnock and Arbroath, the fact that Kilmarnock were able to sell out every single home seat that night. Um, they're probably the biggest crowd for years. That shows you that fans will turn up for these games. Yeah. So um, that can make a difference. In a, and I do think, like even on paper at least, the side that finishes ninth in the championship will not want to face those those sides. Um, so 
Um, but I do think Montrose will be in there again. Montrose will be in the championship. Oh, yeah. Play, yeah. The playoff. And uh, hope, I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. And it is, the Montrose are going up or in one way or another. But I just think worst case scenario for Dundee if they don't get promoted and our growth of the finished second bottom would be Falkirk or Dunfermline. Yeah. Let, let me be totally honest. I think Dundee will go up. I think Dundee, I think Dundee will win the league, and I think, but I do think a lot depends for me on what happens in January. And we're talking about the outer contract players earlier as well. That's that can be a problem if a player gets his head turned, and then they've suddenly signed a pre-contract elsewhere, mm. and then and then suddenly the whole sort of spirit and ethos is killed by one of your top players doing that. Um, but the other side of things is Air United, and I'm looking at Depot that scored all the goals for Air United. Um, are they going to hang on to him in January? Someone's got to buy um, him. I mean, they're going to have to pay money for him. I mean, he's got a two-year contract yeah. at Air United, so it's not a... I think they might keep him. That might be why they keep him, because there is not a... I mean, there are cl- clubs that... Look at the squad sizes outside of Dundee in the Championship. Clubs are struggling to maintain a big squad. How do they come up with, how do they come up with money for a transfer fee? Well, Dundee United will get a good look at him on Saturday. Yeah, oh, he, could, he could be the man to turn the United season. That's why I say, do Dundee a favour. Talking about United, after this we'll move on to that. And, I, and I'll just be more confused. Somebody explained to me, United didn't have a trialist in goal in their friendly against Swansea. So he's going to have to change his name. Older listeners will get what I'm saying. <laughs> In the days of the glory days of Scottish football journalism and the Sporting Post, trialists were always listed in in the team as Newman. <laughs> so I saw Newman playing in goal for United <laughs> last Saturday. And I thought, wonder who he is. <laughs> and that is yeah. Jack Newman, <laughs> who's actually been there for a couple of years. On a more serious point, is this a sign that? Liam Fox is thinking about another change of goalie. I don't know if you can read that deeply into it. I know you are reading deeply into it, but I think that essentially these are the mid-season friendlies where you, you get an opportunity to try things out. And, and and obviously it does go that they do want to give Jack Newman an opportunity. They do. I mean, I'd, I'd be perfectly... Very highly glad. rated by the Scotland setup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and quite... And do you know, I've seen, I've, I saw him in and around United. He's a... Um, he's got he's got the physique, the build of a goalkeeper. I am I believe in training. He makes some fantastic saves for Dundee United. He's a confident goalkeeper. Um, they they wasted no time. They, they loaned him out to Peter Head earlier this season, but they wasted no time in bringing him back on um, from from his loan loan spell when Barigetti got injured. And if we're perfectly frank, it hasn't been um, a healthy position for Dundee United this season. They've had they have had issues in the goalkeeping front. I don't think it's all down to the goalkeepers. I don't think it's fair to just say Saku Eriksson or Billy Gitty, you know, or will we'll, we'll replace well, Swansea Newman was yeah. left high and dry yeah. with a, yeah. another dodgy pass back, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I know. But I think what it does tell us, I think, what, what, and a few United fans have said this, is how much of an influence that Seagrist had on that side last season. Yeah. I, think, I think he, I actually can give you a little anecdote um, when I was at Dundee United, we, we had a fire alarm Monday and, um, we're all we're all out queuing outside and they're doing the drill and everything, all the staff and everything like that. And then Benji comes walking out of the stadium, just cool as you like, just like walking down the streets. And, and we said, and he said, lads, it's fine, sorted. Said, 
fires out. He says, I'm used to putting fires out here at a pub. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that summed up what Benji brought to just a, a calmness and assurance. Um, I think the defence in front of him knew that, that if the ball got past them, that there was every chance he'd pulled off a, pull off mm. a world. Um, he had a, a game at Celtic Park last season where he produced about five or six genuine world-class saves. He obviously got his move to Celtic Park, Celtic. Um, so I think what we're seeing here is it's very hard to replace that level of quality. Um, if we're talking about Saku, Saku had been at the club since January. Um, he'd been brought in and he couldn't he couldn't even get a look in uh, while Seagrist was there. Um, and then obviously Barry Getty came in started the season. Um, he had he obviously had the game in Alkmaar where he lost seven goals and then he came out of the side. And then Saku came in. You know they lost nine goals to Celtic. It's 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 been a difficult situation for the goalkeeper. So you can understand why Liam Fox would want to give Newman a, a, an opportunity. Whether or not that's signposting the fact that he's thinking that Newman might be a contender to start when they when they resume the the league, I'm not certain. Be interesting to see who plays on Saturday. Exactly on that front. That was answered like a government minister. You never actually you never actually covered the point. Is he thinking about Newman? <laughs> no. When the league resumes. Do you know what? Uh, Josh said it very succinctly there. It will be interesting to see who plays on Saturday. If Newman is in goals against Air United on Saturday, then that might give us more of an indication. Again, it's like a government minister because he knows yeah. so, he knows somebody else will be answering that come Saturday. It's not, <laughs> it's not his turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I just think against an English Championship team, when your team hasn't obviously because of the World Cup break been playing. If Liam Fox wasn't thinking seriously about Newman for the league campaign, it would have been one of the other two, Birgitte or Ericsson. I know she would have bit for you called them Saku, you know, first name terms, get off. <laughs> Sorry, that's just his long term. I can't, don't even ask me to explain why, that, why he's called that, because he, he doesn't even know himself. Um, yeah, no, I, I do get your point. I do get your point, and you may well be right. You may well be right that he's... That would be a first. That he's, that he's already thinking, right, you know, we're going to potentially shake things up. And Jack Newman's been patient, obviously not had the opportunity to, to start. And, you know, well... But he did, and he did also, it's, it's not that he's lacked first-team games completely this season, because he had the spell at Peterhead, which had to be cut short when Birgitte was injured. But I think he, you, you told me before we came on here, was it eight games or something he played? Yeah, he had eight games, and, and obviously Peterhead have been... Toiling this mm. season, I think he was so quite busy. In those he was quite busy. <laughs> like, let's not put the stats down, but uh, I mean, it was difficult. It, it was busy, but then in some respects, that's the best thing yeah. for a goalkeeper, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you want you want a goalkeeper that's had plenty of practice, a face and shots to, you know, because I mean, he might have made about three or four saves in games where he's lost a couple of goals. You know, and I think um, I certainly do think that he is somebody that's highly regarded, um, somebody that. Um, has got real potential to, to go into that Dundee United side at some stage. And yeah, like I said earlier on, it hasn't quite clicked yet for the, the goalkeepers. So maybe this is the, the, the third option for them and maybe it is something that, that Liam Fox, you're earning me over to, to saying that he may well, <laughs> may well play against Livingston, I but I don't know if he will. I, I, think, I think he'll stick with Birgitte. I just get that feeling that yeah. I think he's the... The choice at the moment, although obviously there's not been any games lately, but I think yeah, we went into the week. He had a couple of dodgy moments, but I think since he returned to the team, Birgitte had been yeah. better than he was at the start of the season. Mm. 
Billy Gitty is a good shop stop and keeper. He really is, you know. I I, I think um I think actually there, there is a stat that kicks about and I can't I can't quote it entirely, but if you look at the percentage of saves, he's up there. He's That's up there. Imagine you not being able to quote a stat he, entirely. That's a first. <laughs> he do, he does appear. We we are investing in a new uh, data system and we can look at that. I think. Yeah. But I do believe he's in. The, he was in the top three or four. Keepers I think he was fourth the last time I saw. It, it was fourth. Yeah. So, so let's not let's not just say, oh well, he's a rubbish keeper and, and he's useless and right. And I know United fans, or some United fans have written him off as being that. But I think I'd be wrong to do that with both him and Ericsson, But there comes a point where the manager feels well. It's not. It doesn't always work out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, and sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's what we said earlier about secret. It's to do with the. The confidence that that goalkeeper instills in the defence in front of him, um, but he wasn't helped on uh, Saturday by that pass back by Liam Smith. He wasn't helped, you know. Yeah. So, so that goal, the United find themselves a goal down, and it's. Um, I know that I know that defenders in the modern game they they will pass the ball. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I didn't play to a high level, but you're always told never pass the ball across your own goal. But I know that that happens more and more in the game because we're they're used to being comfortable and and playing the ball a bit yeah. back, but. It was a. It was almost similar, albeit Charlie McGrew was a lot further out. But they had the friendly against Sunderland in the summer, and Charlie McGrew turned down without looking up, mm. played the ball back up, expecting Ericsson to be in a position, and he wasn't in the position he expected him to be, and then they lost a the goal from it. So um, it's a. It's probably fortunate for United that's happening too friendly match. You do not want that to happen in a <laughs> in a Scottish Premiership match against Livingston. If, if that's the goal you lose, you know then then the pressure really mm. builds on you. So. And I think that obviously the fans that turned up wouldn't be delighted with a 2 0 defeat, but A, Swansea are playing at a good level. It is actually financially one of the biggest leagues in the world, the, the, the championship. So it shows you what their budget's likely to be like. And also, Liam Fox was able to take quite a few positives out of the performance. He was, but I mean, he's, he's taken on a challenge with those two games, those two friendly matches. They're I know. Easy games. I had to pick that. I had to pick the, an easier one, I think, yeah. and want him just to get a win on the board and get a bit of confidence. But well, you, you did. You, did uh, you, you obviously you you worked with Lee Wilkie on his column every week. Yeah. Can we count? And I think Lee Wilkie made that point, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, just a wee pick me up. I'd, confidence would be low that's probably helped a wee bit having that break and take their mind off it and, and stuff but I think the players maybe could have done with just a, a game that they could win Swansea as you say is tough I, th- I think Swansea are, I think they restart earlier don't they did they restart this weekend or something I'm not sure but I, I think they're there, ahead there was, a ch- there was a championship game last weekend and it's it seemed to be the only one but they are I think they are back now and yeah I think they're ahead of they're the kind of match fit yeah exactly ahead of where United are in terms of match fitness so hopefully it was just a bit of cobwebs a bit of rust for United and they can but it'll be tough against Air. Yeah. Air have been shown yeah. they're a really uh, good team is that bad you, you two want you two want an easy, I suppose it's I know, from that's a manager's point of view it's what, it's what you feel them. your team needs if you feel your team needs a lot of the ball you want Weaker opposition, but just look at look at Hearts last weekend. That, that can go wrong. You end up with a big fight. And if, I mean, I've funnily enough, I can remember a United friendly in Spain when Jackie McNamara was the manager, and 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 he arranged this game. You would have said wisely because it was one of those games where United were going to have all the ball. <laughs> what they couldn't figure in was the other team just kept kicking them, <laughs> and it became it became almost farcical. But that happened with Dundee as well when I was in Portugal. The, the 
the home team's chairman came storming down out of the stands and tried to get the game called off because uh-huh. the players were just kicking each other. Yeah, because uh, funnily enough, that's that's what the lesser team never actually quite works out is that they might kick you back. <laughs> <laughs> they won't just stand there and say, no, we want to pass about here. But uh, there is a... To go back to the point, there it depends what the manager wants. If he wants, you know, he wants to try things in possession, plays lesser team. The only thing I would I would say is that you're probably better playing friendly games if you can away from home, uh, and then you you get away with a bit more. But is is it a bad thing that they're after these two games? They should certainly be match fit mm-hmm. and you know up to speed. For the first game back in the Premier League, I think we point we pointed it last week as well. It is, it's very difficult. Ah, for nobody's been in this situation. It's really, really difficult well. for them. So they, they don't. What is a mid-season friendly? I know, mm. I know. But equally, I think their choice of fixtures has been brave from the perspective that they're not two games that they can instantly say, "Oh, well, that's a win, that's a win," and then they'll go into the we'll go back into the season with a start of confidence. It air will give them a really, really tough test. We know that, as you pointed out, and. If they were to not get the result against their United, does that send the, the team in on a bit of a low? I don't know, you know, or or are they able to accept right? This is a friendly, you know, we're changing the system, we're trying things mm. out. Um, but how much tweaking is he going to do? I think I think we go back to the point you made earlier about Jack Newman. You would think that because this is the game before they play again, this is more likely to be the sort of side that's likely to start against Livingston so I think we can read more into this game than we probably yeah. could read into this Wednesday match it looks it looks to me like they've picked a team that's a, a, as close to premiership level as they can get basically here or top of the championship so they want to be ready to go for next mm-hmm. week that's basically the, mm-hmm. the plan mm-hmm. from, from the way I could read it it's also difficult to get opposition as well that's the yeah. but this is this is a bit of an issue because they're not going to arrange a friendly with another team in their league well, well, they might, they, but that's more likely yeah. to be a closed doors game. Yeah, and there's the Challenge Cup and stuff. I think I'm guessing they are out. I haven't, I haven't checked, but I'm guessing the, they're no longer in that. So all the games delayed. I actually, to I mean to switch it away, we, we obviously it's, it's not called two teams because we focus on everyone else. But is it, is it not a bit of a strange one for air? It's do a they, wee bit. Do they need this game? I think they've just, when we've got free weekend, we might as well play a game, I guess. Yeah. Don't know. They've got ambitions of going up to, uh, up to the Scottish Premier yeah. so they want to maybe give their, their players a taste of what it's like playing against the Scottish Premier no, League. And it was a competitive game, but earlier, not so long ago, Patrick went up to Aberdeen when they had been going reasonably well. I think they maybe just start, started the stutter that's continued. Got beat 4 now. I mean, if, if you go to Tannadice on Saturday and... United turn it on 3 4 0. Mm-hmm. Air go, do the air players not go away thinking we're not ready for the Premier League? Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that's the, that's the flip side of what I'm saying. I'm looking at it from the perspective of Dun United. Yeah. won't get a result then. Uh-huh. It puts them down a bit. If Dun United were to win 3 or 4 0, then their fans would say, well, that's a reasonable standard opposition we're playing against. It's not It's not a Scottish Premier League side, but it's a side with aspirations. Uh-huh. And we've, we're going on the back of quite a good win. So, there are two ways of looking at it, but I do still stand by it as a brave decision uh, to pick those two friendlies, and it maybe something bravery pays off. And for the the backline, also, well, it's maybe maybe they're looking at the test the backline are going to get against their for Joel Nobley against Livingston the week after, because yeah. Akinyemi is going to bash them about yeah. if he's playing, 
he's, he's shown the amount of goals he's scored and, and the kind of the quality of the goals he's scored for air this season. He's he's a proper striker and a, a big a big unit to to deal with. He holds pl- players off and and can play in his teammates as well, which is quite similar to obviously you, you know Nubly very well from a broth. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something they're going to have to slightly slightly different. Nubly is a bit more kind of silky and stuff, but it's, that's a test for them to be prepared for for that Livia game. I would think. It's definitely this season's Joe Nubly in the championship. There's no doubts about that because he offers something completely different, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he's a quality, and yeah, I mean, they'll get to see him close hand. I mean, check. I don't know if Dan United would be looking at it, but... Um, Sign way, um. yeah, Well, that's what I'm trying to allude to, you know. I mean, it, they could do a lot worse, to be honest with you. What a Christmas present that would be from Mark yeah. Ogren to the United fans. Yeah. No pressure, Mr Ogren. Just you stay here, people. You, you can you've got yeah. that tangerine jersey over Don't get on that bus, lad. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lawrence Shanklin made that, made that move quite well, didn't he? Here to United. Did rather well and continues yeah. to do so. I take it one player we won't see on Saturdays as he's bet after his heroics for Australia, he'll be getting a a wee break. Um so that's that's one position. Well deserved break. I think he'd be still be knackered after chasing Messi about and having a fight with him. No, well, in fairness to the lad, Messi was trying to chase him at one yeah. point. You know, you know, I mean, that, Most of the Messi that, goal, I, I know did, that, that run they had took an amazing tackle to deny him. Could have taken it into extra time and just ask Spain what can happen once it goes to extra time. But I, I see Liam Fox has now got the worry that everybody uh, at clubs of a certain size have when they've got a player in the World Cup. Is he going to be here after January? Yeah, I mean, I did make that point last week, genuinely. I mean, um, I genuinely believed if Aziz went on and had a, a very good World Cup, then clubs must be looking at him because, I mean, he's got 57 caps now for Australia, I think. You know, he's he's played, he's played he's he's performed exceptionally well um at World Cup level. I think um yeah, and you know, I love him. I really love his attitude in the pitch and you know, I love the fact that he looks at Lionel Messi and thinks I'm gonna square up to Lionel Messi. I don't care if you're the yeah. best player in the world. Aye, how do we how do we yeah. spot well, didn't he? Yeah, quite right, quite right. And I, that, you I need remember. that you need that fight, you need that desire, that mm. spirit to win games. He's an absolute born winner as he's um and everything he does is um, I wouldn't like to be involved in a fight with him, putting that because he would probably win. I, I was I was watching that wee spot and I, I, I said to my wife, who has no interest in football whatsoever, I said, well, at least that Australian boy has learnt something about Dundee culture. And she said, what do you mean? I said, he just said something to Lionel Messi and the second word was off. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though, you look, I mean, I mean it's a very small subsection of society, but if you look at social media and Twitter, um, I do think that his World Cup has transformed uh, how some Dun United fans view Aziz as a player because I, I don't. I mean, Aziz. Well, we talked come, about it last week. Yeah. He's seen here and he's seen in, in Australia outside of Graham Arnold and his national team as a uh, as a wing back more than a full back. But the boy Arnold plays him as a full back and he's not let him down, has he? No. And I think that I think they're, they're realizing they, they've got somebody of real quality now. You know, I think I think that initially when he came in, it, I mean, you've got to accept he's come from Turkey. He was playing in Turkish football. He hadn't played for a while. He's coming over here. It's a completely different environment to come in here. And sometimes I don't think supporters are patient enough mm. when players have made that. He was move. shoved straight in, wasn't he? I yeah, think Liam Fox yeah. kind of accepted that. This yeah. And it was late on. 
wasn't it? It wasn't it wasn't right at the start of pre-season. No, I think it was. He said it was his debut, wasn't it? The seven. Yeah, he was, he was getting really to know his teammates. Now. He was getting to know the game. He was moving country. Although he's he's obviously used to that a bit, but it's still distractions and hurdles to overcome in the early part. But I mean, rather than go down your negative line, you and should we not be saying? <laughs> This should be a great boost for United going into the second half of the season rather than a sale. They're going to have an informed player yeah. who's on a high after having a good World Cup. Yeah, well, they're in a, I, as far as I can see, Dunn United are in a win-win situation here because if they do, if if they do have a bid for them, it's not going to be a small bid. It's going to be quite a sizable bid. <laughs> it's going to be a, a club that's been shopping in the World Cup market, so it's going to be a bigger club. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be bolster their coffers significantly but if they don't and they hang on to them they're going to have a player that's coming back full of confidence brimming ready to go assured and as I said with with the bulk of the supports looking at him thinking he's a quality player he's our player you know so mm-hmm. can, I can spread as well I can be contagious among the, the, his teammates who saw him in the World Cup and thought a wee bit of inspiration they can't, yeah. they can't go and mess up yeah. in the thought it's fantastic I mean he's played he played four full games at the yeah. World Cup and he's played against Mbappe and he's played against Messi. I mean, it's like, it's absolutely terrific. But he's a very, when you speak to him, he's a very assured, confident character. As he's, um, I was I was walking and talking to him before the Australia squad was um, announced and he was already looking ahead to the World Cup and thinking about what he was going to do at the World Cup. He knew he was going to be in the Yeah, squad. I think he knew. There was, no, there was no doubts in his he mind. Wasn't he wasn't worried about No doubts that he team. was going to be playing, but he was... Um, looking ahead and thinking, right, what can I do at the World Cup? And he wasn't writing... And, and now it proved to be right. He wasn't writing off Australia's chances. Um, and they did well. They had a very good World Cup. Good stuff. After this, we'll round it all off in a sentence on the World Cup. Right, guys, we know the quarterfinal lineup in the World Cup. Who's going to win? Ewan. Me? I'll let George answer No, you're not going to win. You're going to answer the question. <laughs> oh, God. I'm trying to find what political spin I can put on it this time. Um, I'm going to stick with what I said right there. And this will please viewers that are, that are maybe not wanting England to, to recapture the glory for 1966. Uh, I think France will win the World Cup. Um, I think that consistently have performed high level. And I think this is Mbappe's time uh, to really take over the mantle from Messi as being the generational best player in the world for the next five, six years. You've never liked Alongside Haaland, him and Haaland will be the two, but they'll be the, the Ronaldo and Messi over over this next generation, but I fancy France to win the World Cup. I only wanted to know what was happening in 10 days' time, not in 10 years' time. <laughs> George? He also broke Infantino's rule of not bringing politics into football and just ignoring all that sort of stuff, but Brazil are going to win it. I said Brazil at the start, and I think they're the best team by it. Not a long distance. But I said Argentina way. at the start, and I think, I mean, I would say Brazil, France, Portugal are the best I've seen in the context of the competition. England, then Argentina maybe. And I think if, if Brazil produced the level that they did the other night, they would be very hard to stop, but they could well have a semi-final against Argentina. And then that could that could scupper them, uh, quite frankly. Could do. I do think and, they're a better team than Argentina. And I have to say, now, now that the manager dropped Ronaldo, who I've always been a fan of, but I think he's had his day, mm-hmm. I thought Portugal looked a better team yeah. mm-hmm. without him. And I think, funnily enough, your tip 
you and France are a better team with Giroud in it than Benzema, who I love Benzema. I think he's a better player, but I just think with the two wide men, Giroud's a better fit because he stays between the sticks, if you like, uh, and it and it suits the pattern of the team better. So I think I think Mbappe likes playing with him as well because he gives him basically gives yeah. him the ball. Aye, so but it's it's easier. Also, I think um, England have got a chance, but I think Mbappe will be too good. I think I think France are more more developed in the way they want to play. Mm-hmm. What I, what I like about France is very often the other players stay away from Mbappe and Dembele to give them the room to use their pace and give them space to play in. I, I think sometimes Koscar at Southgate chops and changes a wee bit in those positions. Sometimes I, I think he's got a problem that everybody wants him to play Foden, but Foden comes in when Harry Kane's going out, if you like, mm-hmm. and it gets a bit congested sometimes. And I, I do think France are a better team. I certainly hope they're a better team. I actually hit Hitchell's last I didn't actually say who was going to win. No, Morocco. No. I like Morocco. I like I, it. I, I liked what they I, did I loved, the, I loved the penalty that won it. Oh, After all the yeah. terrible penalties went for for yeah. the boy to do that. And then just his reaction, he just laughed. <laughs> yeah. he did a penguin celebration or something <laughs> yeah what I, I was I think he's, he's absolutely brilliant he's a, yeah. such a good player and do you know is it just me I mean I, I probably isn't just me but I was reading so many people going on about it being a boring game and stuff like that but I, I really liked the way that Morocco played yesterday mm-hmm. I think that I think defensively they were outstanding yeah. absolutely yeah, immense yeah. well look at look at South Korea against Brazil that was just that was, that was the definition of stupidity yeah. because they thought they could go out and try to play Brazil in an open game and, mm-hmm. it, and it just was never going to happen. No. And that's what I actually think I don't I wouldn't say it's in terms of overall quality, it's been one of the best uh, World Cups ever. There isn't a, uh, there isn't one team that I would put down with Brazil 70 or Spain in 2010 or stuff like that. But it's a, it's really exciting because it's very competitive. There are I I wouldn't one of my hard earned fivers wouldn't go on anybody right now, just because I think there are still in the quarter final stages, probably five teams that that genuinely think they're going to win it. It'd be absolutely incredible though if uh, Morocco won the World Cup. From <laughs> a, no, I mean from the perspective of of it'd be it'd be game changing in terms of well, the way we view this competition because for years it's been. South America, European side, South America, European side. We've never ever seen it come from another continent. I so I would, I would like to point out it's still morning and for you to be drinking all the days. <laughs> anyway, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs> <laughs>